0: This is the Kona Edge, the home of Ironman triathletes who dream of qualifying for the World Championships on the Big Island.
1: Welcome on to another edition of the Kona Edge. It's awesome to have you with us. Thank you for joining us as we head into halfway through January practically uh, here on the podcast, I'm Brad Brown. Thank you so much for joining us today, and uh, thank you too for all the feedback following uh, Barry Lewis's story last week. she got tons of messages on Facebook and uh, Twitter via email as well, and uh, yeah, just people saying how much they really, really resonated with Barry's story and uh, how ultramarathoning can uh, sort of really help you get better as a triathlete. If you haven't listened to that podcast yet, go back. It was last week, sometime. Uh, Barry Lewis's story about how he became mentally tougher by running ultras i think it was a a great great podcast one of my favorites uh, so far I listened to it uh, after we published it again and uh, thought gee that's a that's a goodie." really really enjoyed that don't forget you can be in touch pop me an email brad at com. that's uh the website address to go to and uh, or the the email address rather to go to if you want to reach out and uh, give us suggestions or comments or uh, yeah let me know what's on your mind and what you're struggling with as we uh, head into this new year new goals uh, should be should be a great one let's uh, head straight into today's episode though and i get to share another phenomenal athlete story not only is she a great athlete but she's also a pretty decent coach in her own right as well Without further ado, it's a great honor to be able to welcome Wendy Maida onto The Cone Edge. You're listening to The Kona Edge and we head to the southeast of the United States now. and An absolute pleasure to welcome uh, Wendy Maida onto The Cone Edge. Wendy, welcome. Thanks for joining us today.
0: Thanks for having me.
1: Wendy, you uh, recent—I uh, don't want to say an implant, but a recent uh, arrival in uh, in Georgia. Originally, or oh, you spent a lot of time up in in Colorado. Big, big change for you th- that move. Uh, very different tri scenes, I'm sure.
0: Yeah, it was—it actually was a quite a big move. I'm originally from Michigan. Moved to Colorado in 1995, so I was in Colorado for 21 years. Um, it was a quick, kind of a quick plan. We, my husband and I, had been planning for a couple of years to wanting to move south because of family but it came we we actually it came about a couple maybe 2 years earlier than i intended so it was kind of a last minute decision that we had been planning for a couple of years so it was a big move but the tri-scene down here is fine there's so many more people down here that i think it just seems to me like the tri-scene is actually bigger due to the population mm-hmm.
1: And climate-wise, uh, I mean, I spent a bit of time in, in Alabama uh, many years ago, and the summers can be brutal. It, it, it must be pretty tough training through a summer in, in, in Georgia.
0: Love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. I've only had one summer here, but I actually was kind of expecting it to be a lot hotter. Um, I had heard so many horror stories, but I really love the heat, and that's one thing I don't miss about Colorado right now because right now it's about zero degrees. And I just walk my dogs, and it's 65 at 7 a.m. <laughs> so I'm really happy with a warmer climate. Actually, I don't mind the humidity.
1: Yeah, the, the winters down south are a lot milder than than Colorado and Michigan, for that matter, too. But let's Definitely. talk. Let's talk triathlon. And for a lot of the age groups that I talk to, they they sort of fall into the sport late on in life, coming from a running or a swimming background. But triathlon's been a huge part of your life by osmosis. I mean, you've pretty much grown up in a in a triathlon family for as long as you can remember. I'm sure you've been around the sport.
0: I have. I celebrated 25 years since my first race this past June. My mother and father were marathon runners. My mother did triathlons when I was young um, and I was an age group swimmer. So, I mean, I've been kind of on the competitive scene since probably six years old.
1: It's a it's an interesting dynamic. I always joke with people who have kids that that are doing Ironman and and have kids around because I I joke and I say you're condemning your children to doing the sport and and I grew up in an endurance running family. My dad was was an ultra marathoner and and I always swore I'd never never do it and chew as nuts. Here I am as an adult and I'm doing it. So growing up, do you think in in a family like that with athletes and 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 marathon runners, it's given you a bit of a a sort of Mental edge, because for a lot of people, it's it's just like it's a massive jump to run a marathon or to do an Ironman. But if you grow up around it, you almost see it as normal.
0: You know, I, yeah, exactly. You might. I, I think the biggest thing about growing up with with parents and um, two siblings that were also active is the support. You know, as an age group swimmer since age, you know, probably was swimming by four, competing at age six. I swim. I love the sport. My parents never pushed me into it but the support from my parents growing up, they came to every swim meet. I mean, weekend, weekend swim meets are long and I I respect my parents so much now that I'm older and I understand it more. And I do remember them running. My parents would incorporate us kids into their training. Like for instance, what the biggest memory I have is my dad would run 16 miles to um, like a miniature golf park and my mom would drive us there. We'd be jumping on trampolines playing miniature golf then my dad would pick, me up, pick us up and my mom would run home. So they did a really good job about trying to manage their training amongst raising us three kids. Um, but, I, you know, when I got into triathlon, it wasn't until I did triathlon that I realized, oh, my mom did this sport too. You know, I think I was a little bit too young to understand at the time when she did the triathlon. But once I started getting into it, I'm like, oh, my mom did this. I, know, I just got to go to ask her what to do. And 25 years ago, it was so different than it is today.
1: Now, the sport has grown a lot, hasn't it?
0: Oh, it's huge. And it's still growing.
1: What do you think? Why is that? Uh, I mean, it's people are busy. Life is just getting, seems to be getting busier and busier. And then, and then instead of doing one sport, they want to do three. I can't wrap my head around why it's growing and why it's becoming so popular.
0: Um, I think, you know, for me right now, it's totally mental and physical well-being I mean, I'm still competitive, but I, I think a lot of people get into the sport for stress relief. Um, it's, it's multi-sport, so you get a lot of those single-sport athletes, like like myself as a swimmer or um, specific runners or cyclists who are ready for a change. And since they have that single-sport strength, you know, they want to give triathlon a try. Um, Iron Man, you know, I think World Triathlon Corporation you know just to see like you know 25 years ago or whatever maybe 20 years ago they had probably less than a dozen Ironmans, and they continue to grow they're kind of swallowing up those local races and local sprints and olympics but because that world triathlon corporation ironman is growing you just see it advertised in so many places. People just know about triathlon. Mm.
1: Yeah, and the truth of the matter is, I mean, they do take a lot of flack. A lot of people uh, have, have a lot of bad things to say about them, but they've done a lot of good for the sport. I mean, they're one of the reasons the sport has, has grown so much, I think.
0: Oh, I think so too. And again, I'm I'm probably one of those ones that have a love-hate relationship with <laughs> Ironman. But, you know, I really like Ironman distance racing, yeah. so I still support I still support the company. But like I said, I do think they're the reason the sport has grown because everyone wants to do an Ironman. People who've never done a triathlon want to do an Ironman. You know, they see it on TV.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And, and I mean, I was one of those people. I'd never done a triathlon before I'd entered my first Ironman. So uh, it was enter an Ironman and then figure out the steps, work backwards and reverse engineer the thing. And that's exactly what happened. It's going to be interesting to see what they do because I know they're making a big move into the mountain bike space now as well. And they've bought a couple of big uh, multi-day stage races. They've bought one here in South Africa. They've bought a couple in New uh, Zealand. So it's going to be interesting to see what they do with the sport of mountain biking. So we'll watch that one carefully too. But you mentioned coming into the sport from... A, from a single discipline, being a swimmer, but growing up, I mean, you weren't just a swimmer. You did everything.
0: I did everything. My, again, I had supportive parents. They exposed us to every sport imaginable. Um, I did run, you know, and again, I excelled in the endurance sport. Um, I don't know, there's something, I just I just loved to swim at the time. It was great. But, you know, I did excel in track and running at a younger age as well. Um, but I wasn't much of a a ball game sport person. Or a, or a racket sport person, but at least I tried them.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And and swimming competitively as a, as a youngster, you obviously have that competitive spirit and you love racing. When it comes to triathlon, when did you realize you actually had some ability in, 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 in tri?
0: I knew right away. So during my um, freshman, after my freshman year in college, um, a, a friend of mine who was on the swim team, had a cycling friend and she asked me if I wanted to do the team sport of triathlon. So I did the swim that year. That was the, that's kind of was my exposure. Is I did the swim and then I watched the rest. And then the next year I did the sprint myself. It was a half mile swim, 12 mile bike, four and a half mile run on a mountain bike. It was my commuter mountain bike in school. And I won my age group. Granted I was 19 and there really wasn't a big age group that young, but I did win my age group and I was hooked. I did get involved with the um, Ann Arbor Cycling Team guys and they taught me how to ride a bike and, and then I just won my age group. Again I was young, the age group wasn't that big but all my races in Michigan I won my age group so I knew it was something I wanted to do, you know, pursue more and that actually brought me to Colorado. A friend of mine was moving to Colorado after I graduated from my undergraduate, and he said, let's go to Colorado, 300 days of sun, you can train a lot. And I said, okay, let's, let's go. (laughs) So, um, and you know, and as I was in Colorado, I actually looked into training at the Olympic Training Center. I had what it took at that time, um, speed wise to go train at the Olympic Training Center. I just didn't have direction. I didn't have a mentor. I didn't have anyone telling me, you know, I had to learn it all on my own. So I think if I would have had that coach or that mentor way back in my early ages, I may have been one of those, you know, first time Olympic athletes when the um, sport was introduced in the Olympics, which is another reason I think triathlon is growing is triathlon is now an Olympic sport.
1: Mm. Is, is that a, a major regret for you looking back at that now?
0: Um, no, you know, I thought about that question many times. Um, c- yes, kind of, sort of. But you know what? I, I do look back and I think everything that happened to me, all my illnesses and injuries and, and lack of direction in the sport led me to who I am today as an athlete and as a coach. So no, I don't have any regrets because I don't think I'd, I wouldn't be here where I am today. I, my life would have been different and I don't know if I would have liked that. So life is good and no regrets.
1: It, it seems that you built slowly. You started in a in a in a relay sort of team triathlon to start. Then the next year, did the sprint. When, when did Ironman and, and the, the big one first come onto onto your radar?
0: Well, in 1995, so I'd been in the sport for three years. I did a race called Springfield, Illinois, Lake Springfield. I can't remember the name. It was almost a half distance, and I qual I actually won my age group and qualified for Kona. I didn't know what Kona was. I was 22 at the time. I didn't really understand. My friends told me what the Ironman was, and I and I didn't take the slot because I was um, a collegiate swimmer and I wanted to follow follow through with my scholarship and not mess up my college swimming due to tr- due to tri training. So at that time, I set my goal, when I'm 24, I want to qualify for Ironman, because if I can do it at age 22, I should be able to do it at age 24. So fast forward, I'm now in Colorado, there was a half Ironman in Grand Junction, Colorado that I entered because it was a qualifying race, and I won my age group and I qualified. So my first Kona Ironman experience was almost 20 years ago. I'll be celebrating 20, 20 years next year in 2017.
1: And I mean, it was it was a while ago that that first experience on the Big Island. I think first time for for anyone is is pretty special. Yours yours pretty much the same. That was awesome!
0: You know what? I never run a marathon. I really still didn't know what I was doing. I just trained a lot, went to the Big Island. Oh my god, my first experience was getting off the plane and thousands, well, hundred, not thousands, but hundreds of bike boxes. Apparently, I was in in a plane all full of German athletes. And I was so young. I mean, 24 to me is still a young age to be doing Ironman. But I had a really good experience. Um, I did really well. I got 10th in my age group. So again, my next goal was, oh, top five, make the podium. Maybe I'll podium someday. And so I always was driven after that first experience to keep going for that Kona qualification to try to race and make the podium.
1: And and you've had a couple of good races on on that island. Uh, you've you've dipped under 10, which is which is fantastic. Uh, which which out of your cone experiences are you most proud of?
0: 2008. That's when I won the amateur division in 2008. So it took me a long time to get to the podium and it was a good one cuz I won that year and that was that time I did a 953. So that was a really special experience because I was mentally and physically confident that I was ready to do what I wanted to do which was win that year. And for it to play out was amazing. And I didn't suffer that year. I just kind of went through the motions and I just had this this perf- this like perfect, if you can say perfect Iron Man performance and I have not been able to repeat it, but I'll cherish that one and I'll I'll it still drives me to want to do that again.
1: Yeah, it's interesting you you say the the perfect Ironman race because that's something that pops up on the podcast all the time. And because it's such a long time and it's three disciplines, th- the odds of you having the perfect race are so slim. Uh, and, <laughs> and I'm so sure even even with you saying it was the perfect race, if you if you think back, there's probably one or two things that you think could have gone better on the day. You just can never ever string everything together perfectly on the day, can you?
0: No, it's such a tricky sport. It is so tricky, and again, that drives me too to try to. I still can try to continue to figure it out, um, just with uh, just nutrition, training. You get older, things change as you age. And it's just just very tricky, and a cha- it's still a challenge to me to try to figure it out. Try to figure out that perfect day.
1: How do you? I, and I've struggled with this, having having been around the sport for a while. And, and you say you're celebrating 20 years since your your first your first Kona uh, appearance. Endurance sport, it's easy to get burnt out, and and I've I've gone through patches personally, and I think a lot of people have, where you're training hard, and you get to a point where you just go, you know what? I've had enough. I've had I just can't do this anymore. How do you keep the freshness and and wanting to be out there and, and, and chasing these particularly long goals for so long?
0: Well, so uh, t- two parts to that, to that answer. Um, one is, one of the things that I love about triathlon is you have not only three different sports, but you have sprint Olympic, half and full distance, as well as now the, the Ultraman and, and longer distances. So, you know, when I was feeling, and I hate to say I was burned out, but maybe I was, in 2004, 2005, 2006, I didn't do an Ironman distance race. I just focused on speed. And I, I stuck to sprints and Olympics, and in 2006, I did a half. So I continued doing the sport and doing the things I enjoy and love without having to focus on an Ironman. And then the same thing, kind of a little bit different way, in 2011, I actually, um, not planned, I jumped into a 50-mile trail run that at the end of the year, because I was frustrated with my running, I was frustrated with suffering and Ironmans and I needed a break from Ironman but not a break from the endurance high that I love doing endurance events. So I actually jumped into this 50 mile trail race, um, had a horrible experience but I wanted to do it again. And so for two years, 2012, 2013, I pretty much for the most part hung up my bike in my swimsuit and just did ultra running. So that kind of kept it fresh, and at the end of those two years, I missed my bike, and I decided, okay, I want to get back into triathlon. Um, I finished a 100-mile trail run, and I was kind of like, okay, I want to do a 100-mile trail run again, but I missed triathlon, so I got back into the sport. So there are a lot of ups and downs, but the burnout, I'd say, is I I haven't really gotten burned out because I just do something different, a different distance or a different single sport.
1: I think that's great advice for someone who is struggling with, with chasing an Ironman all the time, where that's all you're doing. But uh, as you say, mixing it up really does keep things, does keep yeah. things fresh. What's, what's the biggest life lesson that Ironman triathlon has taught you, Wendy?
0: Life lesson. Um, never, never give up <laughs> is a big thing. Never give up. Um, pursue your dreams. Uh, make them your dreams, not someone else's dreams. You know, as an age group swimmer growing up, I didn't realize until after college swimming that I did a lot of my swimming was for my parents and my swim coach. And I got into triathlon. It was my choice. And I did it for me, myself and I. So that was that was a big deal to me. To I, And I think the reason that I still keep going is it's my thing. It's very personal to me. Um, so I'd say those are the two biggest
1: life lessons. As far as things you still want to do and achieve in, in the sport?
0: Um, I... Still have it in me. I'm feeling really good. You know, I've struggled the last few years with some injuries and just some other life issues. Um, but since my move, I kind of not planned, got pretty fit this year, and I'm healthy and I'm not injured that um I definitely want to go back to Kona next year. Um, g- give it one more chance to have that perfect race. And then I think I wanna maybe take another break and go back to trail running again and, and kind of put triathlon on hold for a couple more years. And and get that hunger back. It's really hard to stay hungry for Ironman year after year after year for me because there's so many other things I want to do. Mm. I do want to do an Ultraman too, which is a double Ironman. That's one of my bucket lists. So maybe in the next five years.
1: You obviously love going long. What What is the attraction to... To the long stuff. I mean, an Ultraman to me, I can't even think about wrapping my head around that. But uh, there are lots of people who do do it. And what what is the attraction? I mean, people might look at us and go, "Well, what's the attraction for an Iron Man?" But is it is it is it something different? Is it a case of pushing your body to see how far you can go?
0: Um, mentally, I mentally, I'm really strong. So physically, I know I could do it because mentally, I would not force myself to do it. But mentally. I could do it. I did a hundred mile trail run and that's when I knew mentally I can do anything. I think the challenge of it, I haven't done it yet. You know, I've done so many Ironmans, been there, done that. When I do an Ironman, I have to be really in that, for me, I have to be in that mindset of competing. I don't want to just do an Ironman to finish. I want to be competitive. When I do a new sport such as the trail running or when I think about doing an Ultraman, it's new to me. I'm a beginner even though I've been in the sport for so many years, I still feel like I'm still learning and I'm still a beginner and it doesn't matter how competitive I am, I'm going to finish. And so there's a difference between finishing and competing. And I think, again, going back to your question about burnout, I think when I, those years that I kind of took a break from Ironman or took a break from triathlon in general, it's because I didn't want to compete. I just still wanted to do the sport, but not be so mentally competitive. Mm-hmm.
1: Let's talk about that weight of expectation because I think that's something particularly top athletes don't speak about often where if you bust onto the scene, whatever it is. So let's say you start this water triathlon and maybe your first or second attempt, you qualify for Kona, you arrive at Kona, you end up finishing top 10, everything's great. But friends and family and loved ones and coaches almost expect you to keep doing better and better because you've done so well up front talk to me about that stress and i think coming as a competitive swimmer there's lots of that as well throughout your career it must be it must be difficult
0: yeah i mean like i said um i think i had a lot of stress as a as a swimmer i loved to train but i didn't like to compete so i was competing for my parents and coach triathlons my thing um for me the year i won in 2008 when I went back in 2009, I actually had, for the first time in my life, GI distress, and I walked the marathon. So quite a different finishing time and finishing experience as 08. And what I learned what I learned from that experience, that experience was almost more rewarding in a, in a, in a just a different way. Um, my friends and family didn't care that I struggled that year and that I didn't win again. They were just so excited that I was there and they could share my experience with me I'm the one that put the pressure on myself to think, oh, I won in 2008, I have to win again. And it's not like that. And what I realized that year is the friends and family are going to be there for you no matter what, no matter how good or how bad you think you do. They're still going to support you and want to be part of your dreams and goals. Uh, So what was your question? I
1: totally forget the question. (laughs) No, no, no. I I was just talking about the weight of expectations and how difficult it is to manage that.
0: You know, and, and, and so I... I don't have that anymore. I have accomplished so much as a swimmer, as a triathlete, and now into my you know new new pursuit of, of trail running, that it's still always been personal to me for triathlon and, and it still is personal to me. I can let I don't have I don't feel that pressure from friends or family or anyone anymore. I used to, but I don't anymore because because of all the experiences I've had. If I put pressure on myself, it's totally from me, and 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 like I said, I, I don't do that every year. It's like the years I don't want to feel that pressure, I do something else. Mm.
1: Wendy, a lot of people, and I don't know if you've ever approached a, a race in Kona like this, where a lot of people will, will race an Ironman hard and, and, and get their slots, and they almost – going to Kona just as a reward that it's, you know what, whatever happens on the day happens on the day. I'm going to go and enjoy it. Do you think that's the, the right way to go about it or, or should you go and, and smash it as hard as you can and see, see, see what you get?
0: I think the hardest part about Kona is qualifying. So I do have that, you know, and that's what I have now. Like I used to be, have put more pressure on myself after I qualified to to perform well. Now, the reason again i think the reason i did so well in 2008 is i qualified and it was a struggle to qualify that the, the race that i qualified in i actually broke my chain in that race so to still get a slot in that race i was so grateful for that i went into kona that year very relaxed and very confident with my training that i didn't have i didn't put any pressure on myself i just knew what i was capable of doing and i went out and did it but yes i would say when you go, especially your first experience in Kona, you should go into it without any expectations other than to enjoy the process and enjoy the moment of being there because not everyone gets to get there. See how you do, see how you like it mentally and physically. And then if you get to go again, then go and try to crush it, smash it, however you want to say it. <laughs> Be competitive. Yeah,
1: Wendy, you, you've done this a few times now as well. You're, you're coaching too. Is, is there a sort of cut and paste way to, to get there? What, what's the ideal? Would it, would it be in your first year doing an Ironman? Would it be a slow build up? How would you advise someone who, who comes to you and says, you know what, I want to get to Kona, what what do I need to do?
0: Well, I mean, that's a, that's a loaded question. Um, it just depends on your experience and your background. Athletes who want to do an Ironman in their first race at, or do an Ironman as their first triathlon, I just want to make sure they have some you know, running experience or cycling experience before they do Ironman as their first race. Athletes who say, I'm competitive, these are my results. And if based on their previous experience and results, I see that they do have potential to make it to Kona, um, then it's just a process of well, let's see what's working for you. Let's see what's not. Let's see what you struggled with, and let's try to change change that experience so you have a more positive experience. Because just by saying I want to get to Kona, how do we make how do how do we get there? It involves so much. It involves so much more than just saying okay, let's put you on a training plan. Does that make
1: sense? Yeah, absolutely, and and it is. I, I mean, I, I know it was a loaded question because everyone's different. There's there's no one right way to do it for for everyone. And if there was a a, a sort of magic wand that uh, you could wave and get someone to Kona, gee, you'd be a, a multi multi millionaire. But that's unfortunately not the not the case. Let's talk coaches. And
0: well, let me let me just add one thing yep. to that. If someone does want to get to Kona, I think the first thing they and they have experience and background and potential. I think the first thing, the best thing, the first thing they need to do is say. What's my best chances? What race is my best chance at qualifying and choose a race that tailors towards their strengths?
1: Yeah, horses for courses. I agree. I think so often people just choose a race because it's close to home, but it might not be yeah. their 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 best chance of of getting to the big island. And uh, there's yeah, there's a couple of websites around with that's done the statistics of where, where's it easier to qualify from a timing perspective. But again, you've got to find if you like fast and flat. There's no point going and finding a course where you're going to climb mountains all day. So, exactly. uh, that, that's what you definitely need to do. As far as coaching goes, did you did you go the coaching route early on in your career or did you try and figure things out yourself? What was what was your sort of path?
0: Well, one of my things probably I think the thing the reason I became a coach is I started the sport on my own. I had to figure it all out, and a lot of that was a lot of illnesses and injuries and overtraining that I didn't even know what that was. I didn't know what overtraining was because I was a swimmer. So, I also went to grad school in exercise science. Um, that was what I found the first year I lived in Colorado. I quickly went to grad school at CSU for exercise and sports science. So as I was in the graduate program, I and and, and as I was preparing for my first Ironman in 1997, um, and then I read Joe Freil's or sorry, cycling training Bible. The combination of those three perfect storms came together that I said. Well, I think I can help people. And people start asking me how I train and how I train for a triathlon and what I need to do. So before I actually got paid, I started coaching people indirectly, you know, kind of for fun, for free. And then I'm like, well, I could probably make a business out of this. So, you know, it, it was a process over the years to figure out um how I wanted to pursue the business aspect of it. But I mean, I've been coaching for I so I've been coaching for about 16, 17 years. Seriously, probably for the last eight. Um, But again, a lot of it is because of my knowledge and my experience that I love to share with people. And I love to educate people because I'm like, okay, I've been there, done that. Don't do that. And this is why, because this is what happened to me. And this is why you should do it this way. So... Hopefully that answers your question. Yeah,
1: and and for you personally, I mean, have you have you gone out and looked for help from a coaching perspective? The coach getting coached is is that something you you you've thought about or have done?
0: I have. You know, in two thousand six, I actually started looking for a coach. I started researching Training Peaks, started to learn what Training Peaks was all about, and then two years later, it took me two years to kind of figure out the coach for me. I hired a coach in two thousand and eight, and that was the year I I did so well in Kona. It was very helpful to finally have that accountability partner and that person on my journey with me besides my friends and family. And then um, I only had him as a coach for two years and then I actually hired another coach in 2014. And so, you know, out of 25 years, I have been mostly self-coached.
1: Do, do you wish you had got a, a coach personally earlier?
0: I I do. Um, Well, you know, again, I think everything happens for a reason, and I've learned so much by learning the sport on my own, but like I said, if I had a coach or a mentor way back in my early years, um, I don't think I would have had maybe quite so many illnesses and injuries, and I would have had a better path and direction, but like I said, my path and direction was fine. I don't know any difference. Yeah.
1: Yeah, and it is what it is. Uh, I mean, things always work out in the end, and you've got to figure things out yourself. Sometimes uh, people just want to know exactly what they need to do. Like, tell me on a Tuesday, this is what I have to do, and I'll go and do it. But others want to sort of feel their way around the sport and figure things out for themselves a bit. And I, I don't know about mm-hmm. you, but I don't think one's better than the other. I think you've got to find what works for you.
0: I do, and I, I like I like having the coach in the direction, but I also like doing my own thing. Mm. <laughs> You know, I like I think having the coach and that accountability partner and someone to talk to because they're on your journey with you is really the most important component of coaching, that relationship building, that communication. But I also like athletes that I coach to have some sort of accountability that they they understand. And I've educated them well enough that they can switch a workout if they want to. If it's due to a life situation, it's OK to flip flop. Fridays and Saturdays, or Sundays and Mondays, and they don't have to always get my permission. They need to take some accountability as well.
1: What, what should you look for in a coach? If someone's thinking about going that route, what should they what should they look out for?
0: Um, I think I think setting up an interview and and developing the relationship first, making sure the coach communicates best with you, whether that's through like a system like Training Peaks, email, texting, phone calls. Um, making sure you, you, the athlete actually lists reasons and why they want to coach so they know what they're looking for. And I think, I think interviewing or researching a lot of different types of coaches um, and not just picking the first one you talk to. Because a lot of us coaches, there's so many now compared to what they're used to be. We all have different ways of communicating and different philosophies on training and a little bit of different philosophies on periodization. And really ultimately, I'm an athlete centric coach. So I like to work and schedule training with the athlete and making sure the athlete's communicating with me what's working, what's not working, so I can make sure I'm planning what's working for them, not what works for me, because everyone's different.
1: Yeah, and that's a, a key point that I think a lot of athletes miss too: is is the communication. But that it, it, it's almost more their responsibility to communicate with the coach, and the coach has commu- uh, a sort of uh, a responsibility to communicate with them, because the coach can can give mm-hmm. them give them workouts and what they need to do. But if they're not coping or if they, they feel like they're struggling for whatever reason, you need to be vocal about that. You can't just keep on piling on and, and and think what you're doing is working just because the coach says. So it's a two-way street.
0: Absolutely. And that goes back to they have to have some accountability too. And I think new newbie, newbies new into the sport, they don't understand the difference between coaching and a training plan. Anyone can get a training plan online, but the coach will help you learn what the training terminology means, and learn how to put the training plan in practice. Again, I think when someone's new into the sport, they don't know. They've never had a coach. They've never followed a training plan. So, you know, I think, I think the accountability component is they need to also educate themselves as well and not just rely on the coach.
1: Absolutely. Wendy, if people want to find out more about you and, and your coaching and what you do and, and what you do, where can they get more details?
0: On my website, T2Coaching.com. I'm also on Instagram and Twitter, T2CoachWendy. And then I'm, I'm pretty big on Facebook too.
1: Cool. I'll put those links into uh, the show notes of this episode. Thanks for your time today. Wendy, you made it. Much appreciated. We look forward to chatting telling a little bit more about your swim next time. Anna, I'm very keen to delve into that, particularly coming from the swimming background that you do. But we'll save that for another day. Thanks for your time today.
0: Thank you. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Kona Edge. Don't forget to connect with us on social media. Simply search for the Kona Edge.